Alrighty, welcome back to the podcast. This is our uh, 34th episode uh, coming to you guys yep. just after the uh, the divisional round playoff game. Uh, we're going to keep the intro brief. We're going to just hop right into the uh, the most recent game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won by a score of 30 to 20. Uh, Dylan is our resident Tom Brady slash Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. So, uh, Dylan, what do you think about this game? You know, the Saints are probably the... I, I think the Saints are the best team in terms of being designed to beat Tom Brady. Everything the Bucks are designed to do, you know, the Saints are basically designed to stop. Um, mm-hmm. Bucks are designed to stop the run. You know, Saints obviously have a very good rushing attack and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And But basically, this is just a team win. This is a team win. Tom Brady um, didn't even crack 200 passing yards. He had two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown, obviously. We ran mm-hmm. the ball 35 times. That is probably our season high I don't have that exact number but if you were to come at me and saying we run ran the ball 35 times I did not think we were going to win I thought we were going to have to pass but the Saints were able to generate pressure you know with just four pass rushers that was very very concerning for me but um Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones Mm -hmm. had a very very good game just the ability to get rushing yards get positive yardages without having to pass was very very important and Mike Evans uh you know, struggles against Marshawn Lattimore sometimes. He was able to come through with that one catch for three yards and a touchdown. But I'm very cautiously optimistic, you know, as Drew has said about the Seahawks Mm -hmm. in the past. Chris Godwin almost sold the bag, dropped that touchdown. You got to come down with that. Gronk had, like, two drops. One of them was a touchdown. And Antonio Brown was basically in a box the entire night, and he's not even being guarded by – He's being guarded by the CB3, and he has one catch for 10 yards. And then on one of our drives, Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson, a rookie and a second-year player, our WR3, our WR4 and 5 basically saved our season. Tyler Johnson had a back shoulder fade on third and 10. Then Scotty Miller had that big uh, 29-yard catch. And mm-hmm. But this is just Drew Brees. Let me talk about Drew Brees. Drew Brees, mm-hmm. I saw this. I was very concerned out of the opening gate when I saw we hit our – uh, you know, weekly three and out to start. And then, you know, another three and out, I think. And they're getting points on the board. These punt returns, I, I was very, very frustrated with these punt returns. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought we were going to have to punt out of bounds. Then he gets injured. That's obviously a big thing for the Saints, but I don't know how much of a factor he would have made. I think the Bucks would have started punting out of bounds. But <laughs> Drew Brees absolutely sold this game. 134 passing yards and three interceptions. Kamara... Mm-hmm. Had 18 carries for 85, which is pretty solid against the Bucks' running defense, which is very good. But mm-hmm. I honestly have no clue how this happened. But Michael Thomas had zero catches this game, and our our corners, our corner, two of our corners got injured throughout this game. But Michael mm-hmm. Thomas didn't really play on that many snaps. I was looking, and like lots mm-hmm. of times he wasn't even on the field. I think he played in less than 50% of the snaps. I don't mm-hmm. know if he had some like injury they just didn't report or something like that. But this mm-hmm. is just Drew Brees' inability to push the ball down the field allows mm-hmm. the Bucks linebackers, which is the strength of their defense, to kind of just lurk and roam everywhere. Levante David and Devin White were pretty much able to do anything they want. They were able to, mm-hmm. you know, go after Brees. They were able to drop back or man up against the guy in the slot. And Drew Brees had that re- really bad throw to Michael Thomas. That wasn't even a jump ball. That mm-hmm. one almost got returned for the pick six. And then that seam streak to Kamara. Uh, by Devin White at the end. Kamara wasn't even looking at the ball yet, and Drew Brees mm-hmm. threw that one to him. But mm-hmm. I'm 
I knew we were going to win. I didn't – no, I didn't know we were going to win. I obviously thought we were going to win. But mm-hmm. at, at halftime, the Saints had – at one point, the Saints had 20 points, and all of their points came from two field goals at the beginning, which mm-hmm. was from uh, Harris's uh, punt returns, and they couldn't move the ball after the punt returns. So they just mm-hmm. took field goals that were set up from by that. Then they had the trick play touchdown, and then they had one uh, Deontay Harris, I believe, is or Traquan Smith just lost our DB in the end zone. So their points, you know, they're not <laughs> – they're not like going up and down the field on us. They're kind of just big plays or something set up by special teams. And I knew if Brady and the Bucks were able to get drives together, we were going to be able to come back. And that's just mm-hmm. what we did. I mean, Tom Brady, I don't bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. Nobody should bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. they're able to pull up the upset. It was really, I can't say Tom Brady won them this game as much as I want to say. Mm-hmm. It was really just the Bucks won this game. The Bucks won this game. Everything had to be on top to beat the Saints team. That's what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree here, Dylan. I think that this Buccaneers unit just flat out outplayed the Saints. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I thought when we saw Jameis Winston come in for Drew Brees on that tr- trick play, I mean, I know they were celebrating everything uh, on that kind of like that gimmicky touchdown. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, great play design and everything. Like 100% like props to Sean Payton for drawing that one up. But based on having that be like the first touchdown for your team that that just did not bode well for the rest of the game and uh overall i've only out of all the drives that i saw out of the new orleans saints i think i only saw one decent drive which was when they punched it in the end zone uh yeah but Drew, that was Drew their Reeves, longest yeah, drive right? which was capped off by that one-on-one moss in the end zone so even that mm-hmm. you know very not gonna happen every day you know what i'm saying exactly and i just think that yeah, I agree with what Dylan said. I don't think that Tom Brady is why they won this game. I think that part of that has to do with the, uh, the Saints secondary. Saints secondary is obviously very talented. Uh, but I'd yeah. say that the Bucks running game is really what surprised me because I expected the Bucks to come into this game uh, against the t- number four ranked rushing defense in the league and kind of go to their air raid offense like we saw um, like week 15 onwards uh Mm -hmm. then they kind of switched it up we kind of saw preview what was to come in this game uh in the washington game when they started handing it to leonard fournette and he had a season high of 19 carries uh which is crazy because leonard fournette i mean he's led the nfl in carries like up until coming to tampa bay so uh it kind of just shows how they kind of have committed to that air raid offense but today they really just they wanted to run the ball and they ran it very well against this top ranked uh rushing defense in the league uh, Leonard Fournette, 17 attempts and 63 yards, and you got Ronald Jones for 13 and 62. Uh, no rushing touchdowns uh, for the running backs, but there was one for Mr. Thomas Edward Patrick yeah. Brady. Yep, uh, greatest QB sneaker of all time. Yeah, that's what uh, Mr. Skip Bayless said. Uh, not gonna, not gonna talk about him. But uh, overall, I just think that uh, Tom Brady. I'm not, I'm not super impressed with his performance. I'm not saying that he played bad at all. I'm just kind of saying that. Compared to what we've seen in other weeks, this wasn't as spectacular. I mean, in the wild card game last week, he threw for almost 400 yards. So, of course, this is definitely a little bit dulled down. And the game plan was different. But uh, Drew Brees, man, he sold the game for the Saints. I'm not saying saying that uh, I expected him to be the Drew Brees that we've seen before. I mean, anyone coming back from a couple cracked ribs and a punctured lung is definitely not going to be 100%. And uh, it's not looked like they really trust the backups enough. I mean, maybe Taysom Hill, they saw, we saw him start, but he was out for this game, which I think was a huge blow because they obviously don't trust Jameis Winston enough to kind of throw him in at the starter, give Drew Brees a rest, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the playoffs. Uh, Drew Brees, 19 for 34, 134 yards, a touchdown and three interceptions. 
the and then you also have a fumble by the Saints. I mean, the, really, the tail of the game today was the turnover battle, which the Bucks yeah. obviously won. The Bucks had no turnovers in comparison to the Saints three. I mean, four. Sorry about that. Um, but just overall, uh, Michael Thomas to kind of call back to what you said earlier, Dylan. They really did not use him at all. Four targets, zero catches, zero yards. Yeah. He didn't even and, really play that much. If you were exactly. Watching. And Alvin Kamara, I mean, yes, 18 yards, 85, 18 attempts for 85 yards. So he definitely had a solid outing, but that's just not enough when you're playing against kind of a fast-paced offense. I think the Tampa Bay kind of – the defense was very, very strong today. I think having Devin White and Levante David, like, back at full strength really yep. kind of propelled them forward. Obviously, he had that those three interceptions on Drew Brees. And I think that the Bucks are kind of a hot team and a team to watch going into the NFC – championship but uh kind of segueing into our next topic here uh drew Brees. many fear that this could be his last game not only as a saint but in the nfl dylan do you think that drew Brees should retire and do you think yeah, he will he's retire? gotta go he's gotta go <laughs> drew Brees. i saw uh a 13 yard out route from emmanuel sanders and mm-hmm. this ball was in the air for like four seconds on a 13 yard out route and it's it's just what the saints the breeze was trying breeze was playing like what the saints were trying to get Brady to play like, because what the saints were doing, what the bucks were doing, they mm-hmm. did two safeties over top and just man pressed everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of one of my concerns. Cause I was thinking like, <laughs> okay, we've got really good receivers. We got to be able to beat man pressed. You know, obviously mm-hmm. I thought Evans would kind of struggle against a Lattimore, which he did. Mm-hmm. I thought Godwin and AB could have a field day, but mm-hmm. they kind of got, beat up on that man press and what they it just forces them to beat you one-on-one and then if you're open the quarterback's gonna have to make a good throw breeze didn't really he didn't really do that he had a few good throws on a few Mm -hmm. third downs but just his inability to space the field it Mm -hmm. really limits what the offense can do and then the defense they're excited you know their dbs those safeties they're Mm -hmm. looking for interceptions and they're able to just start creeping up and that's going to take away from your running game as well when the secondary is starting to inch in onto the box. So I think the Saints aren't going anywhere else. They're not going farther than this with Drew Brees next year. Mm-hmm. If he wants to go play for another team, maybe he would. Maybe he can do that. I don't know if Drew Brees is that type of guy to just go play for another team. Mm-hmm. But um, if Drew Brees, if this was his last game as a Saint, I'm not letting him return if I'm the New Orleans Saints. He's got to go. Mm-hmm. But uh, – Maybe he can play for another team, but not the new one. Say, so I think he should retire at this point. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm siding with Dylan here. Just seeing Drew Brees play, he does not he has not looked 100 percent ever since coming back from that rib injury. Even coming into the year, he didn't look absolutely great until mm-hmm. he kind of suffered that rib injury that sidelined him for a couple of weeks. Uh, really, at this point now, there's. If you're looking at it from a career standpoint, Drew Brees really doesn't have anything else to prove. Uh, he's number one in passing yardage all time. He won a Super Bowl for the New Orleans Saints uh, after Hurricane Katrina. He's kind of solidified himself as a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he, he's a legend. He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time, uh, undoubtedly. But when it comes to times like this, when you suffer a very, very serious injury, and just seeing Drew Brees when he left the field, he's pointing to the few fans, and you can just see the dejected look on his face. I fear that this may be his last game in the NFL. I don't think – I can't think of any teams off the top of my head that would really be looking to sign him as someone that you would want to yeah. like, take your team to the next level or anything like that since he's he's only getting worse from here. Um, 
But overall, I could see the Saints maybe hanging on to him for like a year or two, just kind of mentoring whatever quarterback if they do decide to draft a quarterback uh, or if they decide to roll with like Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill. Uh, but just overall, I, I feel like just for his own health and safety, I feel like Drew Brees should just definitely retire. Uh, I don't think that he's going to be able to just magically transform his body or like his lungs or anything to kind of get back to where he was when he was like 30 something like that. And uh, I feel like he should just retire. He's already solidified himself and uh, he, he, he's proved that he's one of the all-time greats. He has nothing left to prove. Yeah. So next game, the earlier game today, Chiefs Browns, mm-hmm. this was actually a very interesting game. If you guys were mm-hmm. watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Drew, just tell us about your thoughts from this game and uh, give us your breakdown. Yeah. So obviously the, uh, the Kansas city chiefs did end up winning this game in the end by a margin of five points, only 17 to 22. Uh, let me talk about probably the biggest event that happened in this game. Uh, Patrick Mahomes went down with a concussion, actually. Yeah. Uh, he had a little bit of a leg injury earlier in the game, but he was still playing through it. He was hobbling along. He was able to run. So they kept him out there. But on a third and one, uh, he kind of got he got tackled. Uh, it was a clean tackle. Uh, looking back at the tape, it was just kind of like he wrapped himself around. He didn't make contact. Yeah, the hit like the... wasn't really – I didn't see him, like, slam his head on the ground. It's just mm-hmm. very interesting how he got a concussion on the play. Yeah, but uh, what was really scary was Patrick Mahomes, he was slow. He's on the ground. Yeah, when he got uh, His teammates are around him, and then he tries getting up on his own, and his legs just give out. He looked like a boxer that just got his legs absolutely just shot out, and he did not look okay. I hope that he's okay, and I, this Chiefs team definitely needs him going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were able to pull out the W without him. I think what this kind of came down to uh, was momentum. Because uh, I think that Cleveland, they just failed to kind of seize momentum as soon as Patrick Mahomes got hurt. And that would have been really the perfect opportunity for them to mount like a miracle comeback and uh, lead Cleveland to the promised land. But that didn't happen. Uh, Baker Mayfield was pretty good today. But uh, when it mattered, he just he was not able to step up. I, I think that his receivers definitely did have drop problems. He obviously had that. That devastating uh, fumble in the back of the end zone by Richard Higgins, which would have been a touchdown. Uh, But that was definitely uh, a lot of controversy after that hit because that was a helmet-to-helmet that was just not called, which caused him to fumble the ball. Uh, Not really sure. And I feel like the NFL hasn't been too great with those helmet-to-helmet calls. Yeah, you got to be able to readjust that because you should Mm -hmm. be able to review on a helmet-to-helmet and the fact that it's a changing – change of possession play you should be able to review those as well exactly and uh the chiefs they they plugged in chad henney he i mean he had 66 yards six completions Mm -hmm. out of eight pass attempts and an interception that was just a bad throw but the chiefs running game was actually pretty good you had damian williams uh who's our uh who's who's a little bit i i i think snubbed for super bowl mvp last year he had daryl williams damian williams opted out at the, of the season. This is Daryl Williams. This guy Williams. is oh, an I'm undrafted sorry. running back. An undrafted I'm, running back. I'm sorry. I got my Williamses mixed up. Uh, <laughs> but but he had an absolute monster game. I thought they would have gone with Le'Veon Bell a little bit more. Yes, yeah, uh, Of course, I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, they don't have him anymore. But uh, I thought definitely Le'Veon Bell would have been the number one back. But uh, instead, they decided to give it to Williams. He had 13 attempts for 78 yards. Patrick Mahomes himself had a touchdown, three uh, rushing attempts for 14 yards. And uh, – he had a pretty good game up until he got injured, uh, a touchdown, 255 yeah. yards. And just overall, I think that this came down to uh, who's the better coach team, who is the better team. 
Uh, I feel like that's the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I like the Browns uh, as far as looking to the future. I think Kevin Stefanski is really the future for this organization. And I think they have a lot of really good pieces. But uh, Cleveland, the defense wasn't able to stop Kansas City when it really mattered. And the offense wasn't able to really get going. And one other thing that I kind of want to point out quickly here is the the running game for the Cleveland Browns. Their kind of bread and butter was really gone. I mean, you had one rushing touchdown by Kareem Hunt. But Nick Chubb only 13 attempts, 69 yards. Kareem Hunt only six attempts for 32 yards. Uh, given that the Cleveland Browns have the number one ranked offensive line uh, in the NFL right now as for pro football focus uh yeah i One thought they would run a lot guards more. did go down uh at the beginning of the game i believe that's true but they did get back joel batonio uh yeah. which is a big addition who's their best offensive line he's a great offensive lineman and mm-hmm. they were efficient on the ground uh with their running backs nick chubb and kareem hunt but i just don't know why they didn't go back to him i mean yes i know that they were down uh and they wanted to go kind of advance the ball up the field more uh, I, I, I like the Cleveland Browns. I didn't expect them to win, um, except when uh, Patrick Mahomes went down. I thought maybe they had a little bit of a chance, but really, uh, it's just going to be Chiefs next round. It, it wasn't too unexpected, I don't think. Yeah, so my thing, their running game, the Browns' running game, mm-hmm. Chubb and Kareem Hunt both averaged like five yards a carry, but they just weren't mm-hmm. able to translate that into like meaningful drives. and. Uh, mm-hmm. The Chiefs, if you were to tell me the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs had like over 20 rushing attempts. I'm looking at the mm-hmm. box score now with all these receiving uh, receivers getting these rushing attempts. And yeah. Daryl Williams, you can't give up six yards per carry to Daryl Williams. I looked up this guy. He's an undrafted running back, and he ran a 4.740 yard dash as a, as a running back. And Mahomes, Andy Reid, let me tell you about Andy Reid. Andy Reid might have you know won them this game with uh that one play call at the end that was really good on fourth and one i didn't think yeah. they were gonna hike it i thought they were trying to go for a hard count because the uh-huh. browns would have gotten it with like a minute left no timeouts and they needed uh-huh. a touchdown but yeah. you know they ran everybody to the left tyree mm-hmm. kill hit a zig to the other side and he was wide mm-hmm. open and that mm-hmm. ended the ball game but andy Reid kind of got a little too fond of this uh shovel option play with patrick mahomes when they mm-hmm. hit that rushing touchdown on the first drive, and that's mm-hmm. what he got injured on. So mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll be able to come back. It really depends if he's going to clear concussion protocol or not because mm-hmm. I know you could get really get tangled up in that if you're kind of failing all their uh-huh. tests and things like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Browns, Baker, if Rashad Higgins, uh, I think that was who it was, got to that Yeah, touchdown, it was Rashad Higgins. I, I, I think they're going to win the game because the oh, Chiefs okay. are – the Chiefs, the Browns defense, they gave up 22 points to the Chiefs. That's a huge, huge accomplishment. But the yards, mm-hmm. they gave up a lot of yards. Uh, Travis, yeah. Kelsey, 438 and Kill, yards to be exact. Both had over 100 yards. This undrafted mm-hmm. running back had nearly 80 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. And I just think that they would be able to pull it off. Baker Mayfield and this Browns team strives on momentum, like Drew was saying. Mm-hmm. They, you know. Baker Mayfield gets going, then Chubb and Kareem are pounding you on the ground. I just think momentum would have carried them to the victory, especially mm-hmm. with the Chiefs being demoralized with uh, their star <laughs> Patrick Mahomes out. But I think the Chiefs need to really just figure out because they were the Browns were in this game even when Patrick Mahomes was was in it. Mm-hmm. I think they were down nineteen to three, and they mm-hmm. ended up making it a game. So mm-hmm. the Browns are going to be a very very dangerous team. And the mm-hmm. Chiefs, you know, obviously they are the better team. They deserve to win. But 
I think they're pretty lucky to advance by in this one. Yeah, I completely agree there, Dylan. I, I think that the Chiefs, that they, they kind of lucked it out. And uh, if I'm a Browns fan, though, I, I'm proud of how far this mm-hmm. team came. They were they were heavily, uh, they were the heavy underdogs going into the wild card round against the Steelers. They got that done. And it's just such an improvement for this young squad. Uh, and I think they have a pretty bright future just given their offensive line talent, their rushing game. Baker's only going to keep getting better. And as you get Odell Beckham Jr. back, you also have another elite receiving option alongside Jarvis Landry, who's also improving. And uh, I like this team going forward. Uh, I don't know if they were ready, though, to go toe-to-toe with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. But uh, moving forward here, we're going to go to the NFC. Uh, the Rams, Los Angeles Rams against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Dylan, what do you think? So, obviously, I'm no Aaron Rodgers fan that the Packers mm-hmm. did win this game. And uh, I can't tell you how annoyed I was on that little pump fake rushing touchdown, but that's besides <laughs> the point. Uh, the Rams, uh, Aaron Donald, the Packers, I think I literally brought out my stopwatch on my phone. Aaron Rodgers literally had like four or five seconds to pass on almost every single play against mm-hmm. this number one ranked Rams defense. That's all I kept hearing, number one ranked Rams defense. And sure, they showed the stats, you know, regular season, but playoff football is a different breed. And mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, he had some good throws. Uh, his receivers dropped on Aaron Rodgers also didn't have some good throws. Aaron mm-hmm. Jones busted that one 60-yard uh, run that got him that touchdown on that one play. But the Rams, no mm-hmm. Cooper Cup. And then that allowed Jair Alexander to shadow Robert Woods the entire mm-hmm. game. You mm-hmm. take away that, and the Rams really have no passing offense. Combined mm-hmm. with Jared Goff just playing really bad just the entire playoffs if you look at it and uh cam, cam Akers, cam Akers being that only source of offense uh you're just not going to be able to beat the packers only running the ball and aaron Rodgers is just too good to lose to a team who is being led by cam Akers at this point in his career mm-hmm. yeah uh i just think that honestly the packers to put it plainly they flat out dominated this game uh, yeah. I expected the Rams to definitely give them some trouble, uh, just given – I mean, yeah, they are the they are the number one ranked defense uh, in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just overall, uh, I think that Aaron Rodgers, he had a great day. Uh, he had 23 passes. Uh, he had 23 passes for 296 yards, two touchdowns. Could have been three. Uh but I think that really the real MVP of this game was honestly Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, 14 yeah, attempts, 90, 99 yards and a touchdown. I think he, he did really well on the, on the ground. And this Rams defense really was just powerless to stop them. I, I know Aaron Donald, he's playing injured. You, you, you have all these uh, like kind of liabilities on defense. Uh, but this is the number one ranked defense. And the Packers, they do technically have the number one or I don't think it's number one. I, I It might be number one. I don't know my stats on that, but they might be the number one offense. Uh, but anyways, a really great offense. The the real battle that was uh, kind of the, the big story coming into this game was Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey. And let me put it frankly, uh, Devontae Adams absolutely smoked Jalen Ramsey. Targeted 10 times, caught nine of them, 66 yards and a touchdown. Uh, we had that great, great option play. I think that was run to perfection by Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Just great chemistry there. Uh, and overall, this Packers defense was great. And uh, it's funny that you bring up Jair Alexander, Dylan. Uh, I think he's definitely a Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl snub um, this year. I think he's a great cornerback. And mm-hmm. one great stat that I want to point out is Jair Alexander was targeted two times. His re- the receiver that he covered 
caught it once for negative three yards. So yeah. I think that just kind of goes to show, I mean, yeah, Jared Goff was playing injured, but he did have 21 completions and only one of them was to uh, Jair Alexander's side of the field. And I think that this Packers defense is definitely really scary. And I think this offense is on a roll. And I feel like uh, another point to kind of point out here, the Packers have a top five offensive line in the league. And yeah, yes, that offensive said, line, Aaron Rodgers uh-huh. had a clean pocket pretty much every single passing attempt. Mm-hmm. And that running game was really able to get going. Yeah. One, one thing I do want to bring up, though, is everyone's talking about, oh, if they had Aaron Donald fully healthy, they would be able to easily yeah. beat the Packers. No. But one thing I want to bring up, the Packers' best offensive lineman, Dave Batakari, isn't even playing. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Donald was still out there. He only had uh, – he had, like, one tackle, only two quarterback hurries, uh, had that missed sack on Aaron Rodgers. That was just an absolute – Beautiful play by Aaron Rodgers. He just yeah. scrambled out of trouble, delivered a 33-yard dot to Robert Tunyon. And I think the Packers, they're the team to beat in the NFC. I mean, there's only two teams. Yeah. So. Aaron Rodgers – or, <laughs> excuse me, Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. If you think Aaron Donald is the best player in football, this guy does not perform in the big games. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And he's a defensive lineman. Like, are you really going to say he's better than Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen? Mm-hmm. Like, sure, he might be better at his position. He's not more valuable. Mm-hmm. And he just doesn't mm-hmm. play in the big games, or and yeah. So Aaron, Aaron Donald, I don't know what he's doing, but uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I just felt like uh, just watching this game, it really didn't feel like the Rams were able to get it going on offense. Yeah, really they weren't not. able to stop the Packers on defense. Obviously, uh, I just feel like this Rams team, though, definitely, uh, definitely uh, blew away any of my expectations for them. I thought they would finish last in the NFC West. I didn't really see them get better in any areas, mm-hmm. but. You go from a team with a lot of question marks and go to the playoffs, beat the heavily favored Seahawks, and uh, to make it to the divisional round, I think that's a pretty big achievement. Just kind of a testament to how good of a coach Sean McVay is. And I mean, yeah, I'm proud of. I, I, if I'm a Rams fan, I'm proud of the way this team finished this year. But I, I think I have some questions at quarterback. I definitely want answered. Yeah. So last game we're going to be recapping for you guys is Bills Ravens. Mm-hmm. Uh, our boy Josh Allen was able to pull out the victory in this one. So just mm-hmm. Drew, what do you think Josh Allen was able to do to make the Bills win this football game? Uh, I think Josh Allen played some pretty good football. I mean, 23 for 37, 206 yards and a touchdown. Not his best day, but certainly not his worst. I think mm-hmm. what it came down to was uh, the uh, Lamar Jackson. I was about to say the Baltimore Lamar Jacksons, but that's pretty accurate of how their team is. Uh, but I think it just came down to the Baltimore Ravens defense not being able to stop the Bills offense when it mattered and the Baltimore Ravens offense just not being able to get going. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about Lamar Jackson here. I mean, he went 14 for 24 for an interception, no touchdowns, 162 yards. He had nine rushing attempts for 34 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, yes, he did have that injury. I hope he's he's doing okay. Uh but that, that's kind of the point of the game where it was really all over for the Ravens when Lamar Jackson went out because any hopes of a comeback from that point, you're, you're not – that Ravens team is not equipped to bring in a backup QB and still play a competitive game. And I'm just going to say that if I'm the Ravens quarterback coach or if I'm the Ravens offensive coordinator, I need to have Lamar Jackson work on throwing because this guy misses so many open throws. He's always looking to run first and then pass. And yes, he's an incredible athlete. He's probably the most athletic quarterback in our game right now, but you can only get so far in athleticism. We've seen that with a lot of other running first QBs, you know, you got like Donovan McNabb, you got Michael Vick, you got uh, Robert Griffin the third, you got these guys that are super athletic early coming into their careers, but then that just leaves them with so much more probability of getting injured. 
I mean, you go to like Josh Allen. Josh Allen was kind of a run first guy because his arm was super inaccurate his first year, but he's changed that. And now he can run when he wants to because he's got that great frame. He's, he's agile. He's athletic. Yeah. He's kind of a tank, but uh, Lamar Jackson, he's incredibly elusive and he's a great runner. He's obviously the best rushing QB right now, but that just leaves him a lot of room to really just get injured. And I think it's kind of hurting his long-term development because yes, the Ravens offense is just basically all run. Um, <laughs> with Lamar Jackson only running like your receivers, which you need when you're when it's a close game and you got to march down the field, you have to throw the ball. And Lamar Jackson, he can make some throws. I'm not saying he's a he has a horrible arm, but really his accuracy is just not great. And the fact that he's looking to escape the pocket first um, is really just kind of not great. And this Ravens team had the number one offensive line coming into the year. Uh, so it's, there shouldn't really be an excuse for Lamar Jackson not having time to throw. It's not like a Russell Wilson situation where the offense yeah, not to mention the third Bills, graders. The Bills have a good defense, but they are not mm. a uh, pass rushing defense. They're a pass coverage defense. Their secondary uh-huh. is easily as strong as a unit. They're not, you know, going to blow you away with getting like five plus sacks a game or anything like that. Uh-huh. Exactly. And this Ravens defense is no slouch either. It's a top mm-hmm. five defense in the league, but uh what really happened is Stephon Diggs really exploded. Eight receptions, 106 of Josh Allen's 206 yards and a touchdown. I just think that the Bills just really got out. They just outplayed and outcoached the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. And the Ravens offense is just way too one-dimensional to take them far. I've been saying this for, for quite a while now. I think Lamar Jackson really, he needs to work on that throwing arm. He needs to work on kind of uh, getting – looking first for the pass and then rushing instead of having all these design QB runs where he just has such a big probability of getting hurt. And uh, just overall, I feel like the Ravens, they're kind of one trick ponies in that way. And they really need to, they need to work on it because they had the easiest strength of schedule and they finished 11 and five kind Mm -hmm. of a disappointing year. And they're basically, they're all rushing when that gets stopped. Like we saw against the bills, they have nothing else. Yeah. uh, Lamar Jackson, Average 6.8 yards per completion, had 162 yards. So you would think, uh, you know, not a very strong passing game, zero touchdowns, one interception. You know, he's going to have a very good rushing game, except he didn't. He had nine carries for 34 (laughs) yards, averaged the lowest yards per carry of any Baltimore rusher. And you normally see these QBs have a very high yards per carry, obviously, you Uh know, with these scrambles and whatnot. But the Bills had Mm -hmm. 16 carries for 32 yards. That is Horrible, absolutely horrible. <laughs> yeah. You know, the Bills are not a pass, not a running team. Yeah. Josh Allen pulling this out with no rushing game against the Baltimore <laughs> defense is very, very impressive. Stefan Diggs, mm-hmm. uh, very, very impressive game. The Ravens have two very good corners mm-hmm. uh, in uh, what's his face, Jimmy Smith and Marcus Peters. Mm-hmm. And uh, just Lamar Jackson, I've been telling you guys on this podcast, it's a mm-hmm. quarterback's league. It's a quarterback's mm-hmm. league. you got to be able to make throws. Look at all the teams that are left. It's the Bills, um, Chiefs, Bucks, and Packers. All four of those teams have very elite quarterbacks that can make throws mm-hmm. when it comes to it. And Lamar Jackson just can't do it at this point in his career. We've said this uh-huh. last year. Playoff Lamar is still a narrative. Running mm-hmm. back Lamar, you know, a little <laughs> bit less of a narrative, still a narrative in the playoffs with this game. Uh-huh. And uh, I didn't think they were going to win the game. Uh Either way, if Lamar finished it, definitely uh-huh. had no chance once Lamar came out. And mm-hmm. this is just a very, very good game from the Bills, who mm-hmm. I think will definitely be in the Super Bowl if Mahomes doesn't play. But uh, we'll oh, yeah. talk about that later. So 
great game by the Bills. This was a very, very interesting game. Ravens, uh, very strong rushing attack against the Bills, who are not very good at stopping the run. And yeah. they were just able to win the game, hold the Baltimore Ravens to three points. Mm-hmm. Just you got to be able to make throws when you need to, and Lamar Jackson just can't do it. That's really the bottom line. Yeah, I completely agree here, Dylan. Ravens really need to kind of take a step in another direction if they want to take this team anywhere other than the divisional round every year. Mm-hmm. But uh, moving on here, talking about our next round, uh, let's talk about the NFC slash AFC championship. Let's kind of give our predictions on uh, who we think is going to win, go to the Super Bowl. Uh, let's kind of uh, go over our predictions. Uh, Dylan actually had this exact same match. Or if I remember correctly, you had the Saints and the Buccaneers in the NFC championship. It might have been the – no, I think it was the Saints because the mm-hmm. seeding got flipped when the Rams beat oh, the Seahawks. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. So, Dylan, uh, for you guys that haven't checked out the other episode, should still do that, by the way. Um, but Dylan had the Saints and the Buccaneers in the mm-hmm. NFC Championship. I had the Packers and the Seahawks. In the AFC, I had the Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. Dylan, I believe, also had the same yeah. thing. Um but let's talk about the AFC first, since we kind of predicted what the outcome would be there. Uh, Dylan, who do you think is going to move on to the Super Bowl, and what do you think it depends on? Um, if Mahomes doesn't play, the Bills lock it in Super Bowl. Quarterbacks, mm-hmm. like we were just saying, Chad mm-hmm. Henney, you know, as beautiful as that 16-yard scramble was, <laughs> is not taking you to the Super Bowl. But mm-hmm. I think the Bills are very, very close to being able to win this game if mm-hmm. – uh, even if Mahomes is playing, because they can put up points almost just as good as the Seahawks can, and they have uh-huh. a way better defense. The Bills' defense was not designed to stop Baltimore, but are designed mm-hmm. to stop the Chiefs with that very strong secondary, Tredavious White, Micah Hyde, Edmonds, mm-hmm. and all of those guys. As mm-hmm. much, I really, really want to pick Buffalo. I really, really do, but mm-hmm. I'm still going to pick the Chiefs if Mahomes mm-hmm. is 100% healthy. He's just too good, too dynamic. Mm -hmm. They can make too many plays, especially with this rushing attack that I saw today Uh against the Browns defense. Um, You know, the Browns defense aren't the best, but in terms of rushing defense compared to the Bills, I think it's Mm -hmm. pretty pretty equal. Bills probably might even be a bit worse rushing defense. So Mm -hmm. with this newfound rushing game, with this undrafted running back and just Mahomes being Mahomes, I still got them. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be rooting for the Bills. as I think they can make it really close, but – uh-huh. At this point, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs aren't Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I think if we're going with uh, Mahomes, I think really the deciding factor, as Dylan already said, as we all know, is going to definitely be Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes doesn't play, I would not say that it's in the bag for the Bills uh, because yeah. I have seen the Bills kind of falter. We saw against this Ravens team, their offense really didn't get much yardage. They got outplayed. Uh or they got outplayed on offense, um, at least, but uh, not in the final score. But uh, I, I think it just kind of, kind of comes down to, like, attributes. Like, you've got coaches. I, I think Sean McDermott's a great coach. I think Andy Reid's a little bit better, but they're both great coaches. you got talent on both sides of the field. If you're talking about defense, I think the Bills have a better defense, but Kansas City's defense is weird in the fact that it can play up to competition. Yeah, especially in the play playoffs. calling – uh, what they're able to do on third down in terms of getting after uh-huh. the quarterback, it's, it's mm-hmm. really crazy. You know, obviously, I think uh, you got to be a bit more careful blitzing Josh Allen and Stephon yeah. Diggs <laughs> than you do Baker Mayfield and um, Jarvis Landry. But 
the Chiefs' play calling on defense is very, very good, and that kind mm-hmm. of makes up a bit for a lack of defensive talent compared to these other teams you see in the league. Yeah, and I definitely agree, but uh, one big thing that's kind of going to stand out to me, I mean, I know you've got a good uh, DB in Daniel Sorensen, but I don't really know who's going to be able to really stop Stefan Diggs, who's yeah, Josh Allen's number one guy. Be able to. I mean, yeah, they were good against the run today. Uh, they weren't great against the run uh, because the Bills – I not sorry, not Bills. The Browns' ball carries were still pretty good today. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were at least able to get to the quarterback. They were able to kind of pressure Baker Mayfield, and their secondary was pretty good for most of the game. But uh, Josh Allen, I feel like, uh, is definitely a better quarterback, and he's more of a matchup threat. I mean, you, you've not only got the run to watch out for – with him, you got the pass as well, and mm-hmm. he's just kind of evolving into a great deep ball thrower, great quarterback, and uh, I think, honestly, it comes down to uh, really if Patrick Mahomes is going to play. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that it's a knack on the, the Chiefs being dependent on Patrick Mahomes. I still think they're a very good team without him, and they kind of showed that closing out the game against the Browns, uh, but... I mean, at the end of the day, if you lose your starting quarterback, your team's not as strong. And I don't think any team is going to be able to recover from that, especially yeah. not when you've got Patrick Mahomes, arguably the best player in all of football. Uh, but I, I have the Chiefs winning as long as Patrick Mahomes plays, just like Dylan. Uh, if not, I think I definitely have the Bills. But I, I feel like even if he's not 100% healthy, he's still going to want to play in this game. And I still think they, they might let him just based on the fact that if they don't let him play, it's going to be a significantly lower chance that they'll win the game. Yeah, so obviously next game mm-hmm. is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Packers. You know, mm-hmm. Drew is a very much Aaron Rodgers guy. I'm a very much mm-hmm. Tom Brady guy. So, Drew, mm-hmm. who you got winning this game? Uh, like you said, Dylan, I'm a very much Aaron Rodgers guy, and I'm going to go with Mr. MVP Aaron Rodgers. Uh, do I think this is going to be a blowout? I don't think that these – well, the short answer is no. I don't think that these two teams have any significant advantage over the other. You both got great veteran QBs who are playing amazingly. Both had 40-plus touchdown years. Uh, Tom Brady was finished top five in the NFL in in terms of yardage. Still had a great year. Aaron Rodgers, of course, 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. Led the NFL in completion percentage, completion – or not completion, sorry. Completion percentage, QBR, uh, touchdowns, lowest interceptions by a quarterback. uh, The starting quarterback that started all 16 games – I feel like the Packers win. I think that the way that they played against the Rams really showed how Matt LaFleur and this group is able to kind of adjust to the different competition that they play. I think that the way that the Packers were kind of able to uh, run the ball so effectively, and yes, Tampa Bay has a great rushing defense. They're ranked number five in the league in rushing defense. I honestly really think they're better than the Saints at defending the run just because the Saints are a little bit inconsistent when it comes to that, and we saw that yeah, today. Yeah, Saints aren't a run-stopping defense. Exactly. They're, they're ranked number four in the league for some reason. I think that's because they kind of had uh, they had some easier games where the running backs weren't as dynamic, but uh, yeah. I definitely do think that the Bucks have easily a top four, top three rushing defense in the league, but their defense is – their defensive secondary is a little bit spotty, and against Aaron Rodgers, if you have a spotty defense, that's not going to work out well for you. I don't know who's going to be able to stop Devontae Adams as far as their secondary goes. And you still got to account for guys like Robert Tunyon, Alan Lazard, mm-hmm. Lazard, sorry, not Lazard, Marquez <laughs> Scantling, um, and, I, I, and Aaron Jones as well. He's a dynamic back. You can still throw it to him if he's not going to be running it too much. And yeah. Jamal Williams, of course. And I feel like this Packers team has so many weapons on offense, they can maybe overpower the Bucks defense if the Bucks defense isn't like snap ready to go. 
Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, are they going to be able to kind of pressure Tom Brady? I think it's what that's going to come down to. If Tom Brady's uncomfortable, I think that the Packers can definitely win this game. Uh, if he is comfortable, it's going to be a shootout, and I think that'll be pretty fun to watch. But uh, the Packers, they have a number – they have the 10th best secondary in the league, and they, they have a decent rushing de- – or no, not decent. They don't have a great rushing defense, but they have a pretty decent secondary. And uh, like I said earlier, Jair Alexander, he's a great, great cornerback. And I feel like this Packers team – last year they were frauds when they were in the NFC Championship. But this year, I think under Matt LaFleur's system, I think Matt LaFleur is a great coach. I think the system, the Shanahan system, the way that they've kind of put an all-star quarterback, a superstar like Aaron Rodgers into the Shanahan system, it kind of turned his game around and really made him so efficient and just a much better player and just made this team better in general. I, I feel like the Green Bay Packers win this. There's, I'm not knocking Tom Brady or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at all because I think that there's a very probable chance that they can win this game as well. Uh, but I, I just have the Packers just in terms of I think Matt LaFleur is a better coach than Bruce Arians. I feel like this Packers team is a little bit better on both sides of the ball. It really could go either way for this one, but I'm going to stick with Aaron Rodgers and go to the Packers. Yeah, so obviously I got the Bucks winning this game. And uh, mm-hmm. the Saints, uh, I think this was honestly one of Tom Brady's hardest games of his entire career. I think this is top three, top five really? games of his career. Really? The Saints are just so, so effective at doing what has been able to stop Tom Brady, and that's jamming his receivers at the line and being able mm-hmm. to get to him with four. If you watch this entire game, Brady mm-hmm. didn't really have a clean pocket uh, much of the game at all. And uh, mm-hmm. the Packers really only – elite pass rusher is Zadarius Smith. They got some mm-hmm. other guys that are solid, but mm-hmm. it's no Cam Jordan and Ted Hendrickson and Demario mm-hmm. Davis and all of these I mean, they do guys. have Kenny Clark, to be fair. Kenny, Kenny Clark, Clark is a yeah, pretty Kenny solid Clark guy. Is pretty solid. But the Bucks, they're going to be – the offense is going to be mm-hmm. so relieved that they're going to be done with these Saints. Mike uh-huh. Evans – Mike Evans had a better game against Jalen Ramsey. I think he had four catches for like 50 yards against Jalen Ramsey. And he had one mm-hmm. catch for three yards against Marshawn Lattimore. You know, mm-hmm. we could do a whole segment on why Lattimore is able to yeah. do this to him. But he's going to be relieved. <laughs> you know, obviously he might be faced with uh, Jair Alexander. But he'll probably mm-hmm. like that matchup a bit better just so we could get away from Lattimore. Godwin mm-hmm. and A.B., I don't know how they got stuffed tonight by these other Saints DBs. Uh, Janoris mm-hmm. Jenkins is a pretty good DB, but, you know, he's kind of getting up there in age, going up against Chris Godwin. Yeah. Godwin should have been able to win more matchups. The mm-hmm. Packers, a very good DB1 in Alexander, but past that, mm-hmm. not that good. They got a good secondary uh, with the safeties mm-hmm. and all of that. Yeah. But the offense, I think, is going to be able to put up way more points than 20. And mm-hmm. the defense, if they play like they did against the Saints – I think they mm-hmm. can beat the Packers. We already saw oh, them yeah. hold the Packers to 10 points uh, mm-hmm. in the regular season. But mm-hmm. one thing I am a bit concerned about is basically if Drew Brees doesn't have these three turnovers, I mm-hmm. really don't know if the Bucks are going to be able to win this game. And Aaron Rodgers does not turn the ball over. You know, as much as I mm-hmm. uh, despise Aaron Rodgers, as much as I bring Ooh. him down, he doesn't turn the ball over like Drew Brees mm-hmm. did today. And, uh, Michael Thomas had zero catches, played on 40% of the snaps. Is yeah. uh, Devontae Adams going to do that? Absolutely not. He's probably going to have <laughs> a huge game. But Aaron Jones, I think we should be able to limit Aaron mm-hmm. Jones a bit. Uh, we did mm-hmm. hold Kamara to under 100 rushing yards. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, still a lot. He gave up 85, but he didn't have a touchdown. Didn't really mm-hmm. have any huge screen plays or anything like that. And I just mm-hmm. think the Bucks are just going to be so relieved they're past the Saints. I think uh-huh. they would much rather have played the Packers than the Saints in general. The offense okay. is going to be clicking. The defense has been playing great. Mm-hmm. And I just think, you know, we already saw the Bucks beat them. They add AD. They get Fournette mm-hmm. into that system. I think uh-huh. I think the Bucks are just going to be able to win. Yeah, this is – honestly, I'm really excited to watch this game. Um, I don't know. Maybe even more so – I'd say that's accurate. I think I'm more excited to watch this game. Uh, as you guys know, I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. Dylan's a huge Tom Brady fan. And what I hope – I really hope this doesn't turn into another uh, week five disaster for the Green Bay Packers. I hope it or does. For the, or for – <laughs> or or for the Buccaneers either because I, I just want to see these two old guys go at it and just absolutely have a field day. Uh win win or lose for Aaron Rodgers or for Tom Brady. I think I, I really hope that this is a great game between them because yeah, these two uh, guys are either some of the way, best doing it. I don't think the quarterbacks are gonna be the reason one of these guys loses oh, the yeah. matchup. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And Aaron Jones, although he, he did finish top five in the league in rushing this year, I think there's a high probability that he could get stuffed by this uh, by this Buccaneers defense. So that's mm-hmm. why I, I, I think it's such an interesting matchup because you've got so many variables on either side of the ball uh, that I, I think this is going to be a definitely fun game to watch. Yeah, of course, the Bills... the, this Packers offense – I don't I don't know they I don't know the, what they're gonna be able to do, but this bootleg outside zone, the, mm-hmm. Devontae Levante David and Devin White, they're uh-huh. Robert Tonian, uh they're not they're gonna be able to get this much separation on the bootleg against these mm-hmm. elite linebackers, these outside mm-hmm. zones with Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. The Bucks Rundy is already very good itself and these mm-hmm. linebackers are just so versatile, so dynamic. I think mm-hmm. uh, the Packers are going to have to go with a bit more pass-heavy offense. I definitely think they can do that, but I think that's just something uh-huh. you should look out for on Sunday. Yeah. Or Saturday, I, think, yeah, I don't know, when they play. <laughs> yeah, me neither. But uh, we're, we're going to kind of switch gears here going into uh, – we're not even switch gears. We're still staying in the divisional round. Uh, but this is kind of our, uh, our weekly segment we do here throughout the playoffs, the, uh, the playoff round MVP this week. Of course, it's a divisional round MVP. Uh, a lot of great performances, some close games. Uh, let's just start off with this, Dylan. Who do you have as your divisional round MVP? So my divisional round MVP is not Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. Oh, it is, it is Leonard not. Fournette. Leonard Fournette. Okay. Only 3.7 yards per carry, but Leonard Fournette mm-hmm. was the backbone. 17 carries. Mm-hmm. The Saints' defensive scheme against the Bucks that's worked so effectively throughout the year. Two. Mm-hmm. Over the top safeties, man press on all the linebackers. That leaves very mm-hmm. few people in the box. And you got mm-hmm. a guy like Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette is going to be able to get you three, four, five, six yards on first down. And that's what he was able to do. And mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette had the most catches of any Buccaneer today five catches for 44 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Second most was Cameron Bray and Chris, God- Chris Godwin, both with four catches. And uh, <laughs> his passing game versatility, his. Mm-hmm. Uh, big hits, just falling mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. Leonard Ford, they don't win this game without Leonard Fournette. No way, no how. Uh-huh. Tom Brady, these receivers could not win at the line of scrimmage for the life of them. And mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette, just being able to force the Saints to put more people in the box, less people in coverage, that's what really allowed the Bucks to move the ball down the field. And that's mm-hmm. all because of Leonard Fournette. So he's my MVP yeah. for this weekend. 
I, I think it's a completely deserved pick because uh, Leonard Fournette, he, he opened up not only the pass for Tom Brady, but he also opened up the floor for guys like Ronald Jones to come in and have uh, – he had a similar mm-hmm. kind of like workload to him as well. And I think that, yeah, like Dylan said, I don't know if they win this game without establishing that run. And that really started with Re- Leonard Fournette. Uh, mm-hmm. But I did not pick him as my divisional round MVP. Uh, I had a couple of guys that this could have gone to. But overall, I'm going to give it to the player that I think had the most value on the outcome of the game, and that is going to be Mr. Stefan Diggs. Uh, Stefan okay. Diggs, given, given that this is a playoff game against the top five secondary in the league in the Baltimore Ravens, mm-hmm. and given that this guy is the clear-cut number one target, I would have expected yeah. him to be kind of bottled up, at least in the slightest, but this really wasn't the case. He was targeted 11 times. He caught eight of them for 106 of Josh Allen's 206 yards and a touchdown, his only touchdown of the day. I feel like the Bills, I mean, I still feel like they could win this football game without, uh, I mean, even if Stefan Diggs isn't playing like Josh Allen, he's a great quarterback, but this definitely wasn't his best game. And I felt like this offense just really, it felt stale. Uh, a lot of the times that I watched it, I mean, a part of that had to do with the fact that the Ravens possessed the ball for much more time than they did. Uh, but I feel like Stefan Diggs, he, of course, I think he had the biggest impact on the game. He got more than half of uh, Josh Allen's passing yards. He got like base, like a good chunk of his completions, and uh, he got the only touchdown Josh Allen threw that day. So I had to give that to him. Another guy that he could have gone to is obviously Aaron Rodgers. Uh, just given that he was able to kind of like fend off the uh, – the Rams' number one ranked defense threw for almost 300 yards, two touchdowns. So I, I was kind of split the tone between those two. Uh, but given the fact that Aaron Jones also had a monster game and the Packers' offensive line was so great, I had to give it to Stefan Diggs. Just given the fact that wide receiver is a dependency-based uh, position uh, and the fact that he was able to kind of make this team dependent on him to win the game. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So very good performance from Diggs. Moving into the NBA for you NBA fans out there. Massive, massive trade, changing the landscape of the league. James Harden going to the Brooklyn Nets. Drew, does this make the Nets title contenders? Who won this trade? Just what's your overall reaction? Uh, when I got wind that this trade happened, I thought it was – honestly, it was a meme. Uh, I really – I did not expect that the Nets would have not only the cap space, but, like, the kind of – the players able to kind of deal to get this deal kind of happened. And – uh. I mean, I'm really glad not only for the Houston Rockets, but for James Harden for kind of getting out of that situation. I'm not saying like the Rockets like mistreated uh, like James Harden or anything, quite the opposite. But uh, I think that James Harden definitely he did. He has done a lot for Houston, um, but he was kind of acting like a diva. And if I think he he stayed on with that team, that wouldn't have ended well. Mm. Overall, though, I feel like if we're talking about like maybe like three years from now, a couple years from now, I feel like. We look back on this, and I think we see that the Rockets have won the trade. Mm. Uh, just given that they were given so many picks, um, uh, they were given so many picks, as well as Victor Oladipo, who I think is going to be a big player for him. And given the fact that they've got Christian Wood playing like an all-star, they've got John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Eric Gordon. I-, I feel like they do have weapons to at least put up like a decent effort this year. If not, then they obviously have a lot of picks. Uh, I think that if we're talking about future, though, they won the trade. But I think if we're just talking about impact and immediate just kind of production, of course, the Nets won this trade. They got James Harden, who's a who's a like he's a top five player in the NBA, arguably, uh, and one of the best scorers in the game all time. 
Uh, I thought initially, uh, without seeing these guys play, I don't know how I felt about it because you got KD, you got James Harden, you got Kyrie Irving on the same basketball team. All three of those guys, they are very ball-dependent. Uh, Kevin Durant, of course, he needs the ball because he, he's a great scorer. But Kyrie Irving, he's he's a shoot-first, pass-later kind of point guard. He's not like a dish-first point guard or a point guard that's kind of going to let his shot attempts go down as he kind of dishes around more. Kyrie's never been known for his great passing. He's always been known for his great finishing inside and his shooting somewhat. Uh, but James Harden as well. I mean, yes, he does pass the ball, but uh, it, it's usually not – if it's not for his own benefit, and he, he usually he plays a lot of ISO ball. So I felt like this team really wouldn't know how to kind of work. And I, I still don't know how it's going to work because we don't know if Kyrie Irving is going to be coming back. But if I'm the Nets, just given the amount of money that I'm spending on these three guys, I feel like I got to trade one of them. And if I'm looking at the weakest link, it's got to be Kyrie Irving. And I think that the book, Brooklyn Nets, I'm not saying that Kyrie – is a bad player, but I think that he's not going to be suit, best suited for this team's interest because you've got two great scorers. But if you add another good scorer on top of that, who also has temperament issues, as these three guys all have, I feel like this team could go either very high or very low. I think that this is a guaranteed lock for a playoff team, even if like two of these guys get injured. Like if you just have like Kevin Durant on the team, he's still going to be able to lead them in the playoffs. If you just have James Harden on the team, of course he's going to be able to lead them in the playoffs. Uh, if you just have Kyrie Irving. I don't know, maybe, but uh, it, it's not looking like that's going to be the case. Uh, just overall, I feel like if we're looking at the short term. I think that this definitely, of course, it boosted the Nets' odds, but I feel like this is kind of like as a chemistry move. I feel like immediately, like right now, it may seem like a great move, but I feel like we'll be looking at this in a couple months and being like, I don't know if that was worth it. Yeah. Um, in the NBA, uh, if you've listened to the podcast before, I think superstars win you games, and the Nets got a superstar with James Harden. I think Mm -hmm. this makes them title favorites uh, in the Mm -hmm. East for sure. You know, it would be an interesting matchup with the Lakers. You know, who's going to guard Anthony Davis? None of these guys are suited to guard Anthony Davis, obviously. (laughs) But um, they got James Harden. They got Kyrie Irving, and they got Kevin Durant, who's the best scorer in the NBA, in my opinion. And if you think about it, uh, with the chemistry, with these superstars – they pretty much every time a super team gets formed, they say it's not going to work. You know, they said Stephen Curry, who did yeah. defer to Kevin Durant. I think Kyrie, Kyrie is going to be tough for Kyrie to average over 20 points per game at this point. Uh, if uh-huh. he comes back, uh, James Harden uh, is the second option. Katie's the first. Kyrie's the third. Uh, James yeah. Harden, uh, you know, all this diva issues. He wanted to get out of Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh he just wasn't able to advance his career in Houston. Unfortunately, they didn't do enough mm-hmm. to surround him. Uh, you know, is some of that his fault? Sure, maybe. But that's not what we're discussing. Mm-hmm. And Harden wants to win a championship. Kyrie Irving wants to win a championship. KD wants to win a championship. Superstars are able to make it work because they're playing with other elite players. Just like James Harden said when uh, in his postgame interview, you know, it's easy to form chemistry when you're playing with really good players like KD. You know, they didn't have <laughs> Kyrie uh Irving that game we'll see how that uh-huh. happens uh if and when Kyrie Irving comes back but mm-hmm. I think this makes some title favorites but the Rockets Rockets were able to get some nice stuff in return you know they're able yeah. to get Oladipo from the Pacers somehow and uh-huh. they ended up with seven first round draft picks when you yep. look at it after all these trades are over I think this is a win-win for both teams and I think the mm-hmm. Nets are immediately put into title contention with the first or second best odds in the league in my opinion 
Oh, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Do you think that they should get rid of Kyrie? Or what are you thinking in terms of moves, potential moves for this Nets organization? I think you keep Kyrie because mm-hmm. uh, James Harden in the playoffs hasn't been very good. Uh, uh-huh. And Kyrie Irving is one of the best closers in the NBA, along with Kevin Durant. So given that uh-huh. two options right there, and uh-huh. it's just another superstar. You'd rather have superstars than role players. And they have mm-hmm. some solid role players with Joe Harris, NBA three-point yep. champion. DeAndre <laughs> Jordan is a solid center who can defend the paint. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've got some other guards that are pretty solid. Obviously, uh-huh. no James Harden, no Kyrie Irving. But you keep the superstar, you go all out, you win a championship, and – that's really what you came here to do at this point. Yeah, okay. They traded all these picks, traded mm-hmm. Jared Allen, Karis LeVert. They mm-hmm. traded their way, their whole future to go all in with James Harden. And that's what they got to do. You got to keep Kyrie Irving. He's very crucial. One third mm-hmm. of that all-star uh, formation. Yeah. And, but what scares me, honestly, the thing that scares me about Kyrie is I don't know if he's like Steph where he's able to kind of transform himself from that shoot first kind of guy to a disher. Cause Steph has been a great passer even before he had Kevin Durant. That's part of the reason why they were able to win an NBA championship. But I, I just feel like adding Kyrie Irving, who's who, he's not known for his passing, and he does not look to really pass or anything. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like it's going to be tough. But I, I think I think they can they can maybe make it happen. I'm a little bit more optimistic after watching James and KD play just like alone mm-hmm. without Kyrie. Uh, but I think when you, when you add Kyrie, you got a whole different dynamic. Like, we see the Celtics team now. I mean, they don't have Gordon Hayward anymore, but they have Jalen Brown. They have Jason Tatum. They have pretty much the same team they had when Kyrie was there. Uh, and they're able to kind of – they look better without him. And even though yeah, – they do. Like, uh, even though, like, originally, like, when everyone was saying it, like, a lot of people didn't want to admit it, even myself included, I was like, yo, I, they're just saying that because he's injured. Um But I think just overall, I feel like this team – this team is going to be either very hot – or very cold. I think they're playoff lock. Like I said before, they're easily making the playoffs. I think they can definitely win at least like one series. Uh, but I see this team as either you're going to win the finals or you're not. And uh, that's pretty much where I, I kind of rank this team in terms of how, how I think it's going to go for the future. Yeah. So final segment, mm-hmm. one thing we love, one thing we hate. That'll wrap it mm-hmm. up for this week. And we'll see you guys back next week. Uh, but one thing we love, one thing we hate. Drew, what you got for this uh, well, I don't like to do this, but uh, the person that I hate uh, for today's love slash hate is uh, Mr. Uh, you might know him. You're, you're a little bit familiar with him. Oh uh, Dylan, during the, uh, the Buccaneers game against the Saints, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about my guy, Ryan Jensen. Ryan Jensen, <laughs> age 29 years, height 6'4". He is currently married. He's number 66 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm reading directly off of Google right now because I don't know too much about this guy. But I'm just going to say this guy really, really pissed me off the entire game. I like Alex Anzalone a lot. I think he's a solid linebacker, and I think he's kind of underrated. But this guy, Ryan Jensen, he was literally – he's a school threat, as, as the term is now. He was a school threat. He was a menace to society. He, he was just going there. Like, Anzalone, there was this one play – where, like, they finished it. Ryan Jensen, of course, he plays after the whistle because he's just a dirty player. He, like, <laughs> shoves his guy to the ground. And he's walking back to the huddle. And Anzalone's just kind of standing there, his back turned to him. And this guy, Jensen, just headbutts him, like, slightly. The refs don't see it. 
And then Anzalone's like kind of like pointing at him, like shoves him a little bit. And Ryan Jensen kind of gets in the space. There are a lot of altercations between the two. I think it was just two white boys just getting angry at each other. But just, I, I don't know. I, I was getting really angry watching him because he just kept kind of going after the whistle, had a few like kind of dirty kind of plays. And I, honestly, I don't really like uh, like dirty players. Uh, I, I don't like dirty teams, which is why I really hate the Philadelphia Eagles and their entire organization. Uh, but overall, I just was not satisfied with uh, his conduct on the field. Hopefully he gets ejected versus the Packers because I don't like that guy too much. But uh, yeah, that was kind of a wimpy love hate for this week, but it's kind of what I thought of. Cause that pissed me off. Yeah. So one thing I hate, uh, this isn't very super strong, passionate hate. I already touched on this earlier in the podcast, the NFL mm. rules this uh, Browns oh, yeah. chiefs game. Uh, yeah, I already yeah, told yeah. you earlier, I think the Browns mm-hmm. are winning the game. If they get that touchdown, you're taking yeah. the away uh, NFC AFC championship uh, possibility. Would they beat the Packers? I don't know if they would beat the Packers. Or not the Packers. Yeah. Who would they be playing? The Bills. Bills. The Bills. They would be playing the Bills. Would they beat the Bills? Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think so. But, you know, it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. You're, there's two things here. There's a change of possession. You're going touchback. The ball comes out. It's a touchback, which I already think mm-hmm. is kind of weird. That, that's even that's stupid. And the other team gets it at the 20-yard line. You should be able to review – a play if the other team is getting the ball that originally didn't have uh-huh. it. And you have a head-to-head target. This guy is literally full body vertically in the air, and his head is his closest thing to the uh, opposing player. Uh-huh. And he's just yeah. jumping in with his head, <laughs> and they don't they don't see anything, and they don't yeah. do anything about it. There's two opportunities there where I think the NFL should be able to review the play, and they don't. But, you know, rules are the rules. I am a mm-hmm. big uh, Baker Mayfield fan, so maybe a bit biased, but I think they would have won. Uh, if that touchdown was able to count, uh, obviously they were going to get the touchdown. If uh, they would have reviewed it, uh, uh-huh. they would have gotten at the one that would have been called a touchdown anyway, uh, if that didn't happen. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So yeah, NFL change your rules. That's my hate for today. Yeah. I'm I'm going to talk. I'm going to kind of continue this a little bit, Dylan. I, I got to say that I feel like the reviewable non-reviewable stuff is really stupid. I don't think that coaches should only be allowed two challenges. And I think that inside of those last two minutes, the fact that no plays are challengeable, I mean, yeah, like, they're trying to kind of, like, speed it up. But, like, I feel like that's a really stupid rule because mm. this really could make or break a football team. Like, we've seen it in the past when it's been that kind of last minute. I mean, we've seen it with the Saints when they had that whole pass interference against the Rams thing where yeah. some people thought it was blatant push-off and other, pe- and other people thought that it was just clean defense. But just overall, I, I felt like, like the NFL rules definitely need to be changed. I, I think that the – the fact that the uh, the fumbler can kind of like carry it out of bounds, like out of the back of the end zone, have it be a touchback is kind of stupid, mm-hmm. especially like if the defense is like recovering it. And like we saw it with like Alex Anzalone, he pushed it out the back of the end zone and his team had to take it from their 20, which yeah. I think is just kind of a stupid, <laughs> stupid rule. And the helmet to helmet stuff that definitely needs to be like definitely needs to be reviewed. I feel like they should have some kind of thing in the helmet, like a tracker or like some kind of like alarm system that like kind of alerts the referees to when like the helmets are contacted with each other, which would kind of make the game safer. I mean, I'm no like engineer or anything, but it's just kind of an idea that I can put out there. Yeah. So that'll wrap up our podcast. We should be back uh, next week with a very, very intense episode. Uh, when we oh, yeah. <laughs> Packers bucks game and uh, the chiefs bills along with, you know, other news updates and things like that. But other than that, we'll see you guys uh, next Sunday. Uh, enjoy your guys Martin Luther King Jr. day tomorrow.